podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. Please leave a written review wherever you get this podcast from. Spoiler alert, when this podcast talks about the television show Game of Thrones, it talks about it in the context of the most recent episode. And when it talks about the books of A Song of Ice and Fire, it talks about it in the context of the most recent book. You've been warned. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, you're listening to Game of Thrones, Matt's audio blog. Hey there, welcome back to Matt's audio blog, Game of Thrones style. I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. And now, here's your As host, I somewhat Matt alluded Murdick. to the last time that I had recorded a podcast solo, which was for episode four of season six. I do have a little bit of season six feedback, which I would like to get to. Of course, also a trailer for Game of Thrones season eight has dropped. And I'm going to have the sirens of A Song of Ice and Fire along with me in just a little bit to talk about that. But because some people don't want to be spoiled about anything regarding the season eight as it comes up, we're going to save that till the end after I do all of the feedback. So stick around for a few minutes and the girls will join me in just a little bit. I'm going to handle the feedback by myself, but first... Matsaudioblog.com. That's where you find all of the back episodes of this podcast. You can also find podcast app links. You can find contact information such as Matt's Audio Blog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S Audioblog at gmail.com, or you can tweet to Matt's G-O-T blog on the Twitter. That's M-A-T-T-S-G-O-T blog on the Twitter. As you know, I love it when you can leave me a written review in whatever podcast app that you're using. That's what's going to help me stay more noticeable among the 15 billion other Game of Thrones podcasts that are out there. At this point, uh, I just would like to hear what you think about the show. It doesn't have to be just for the reason of pumping me up because there's not really enough that we're going to be able to do between now and the time the season eight starts. Uh, that will really help me in that respect. But I really would like to hear what you're thinking of the podcast itself, um, because that will help me to shape episodes. And we'll be talking a little bit about what we're going to do for season eight in yet another podcast that'll be coming up sometime in the near future between now and April 14th, when Game of Thrones season eight starts again, uh, probably about a week before me and the sirens of A Song of Ice and Fire, Holly, Kelly, Stephanie, will all get together on a podcast and talk a little bit about what's coming up for season eight and segments that we're going to do and all that kind of thing. I will encourage any kind of participation in terms of feedback. I do know this. We're going to do an initial reaction the night that the episode airs. You'll get that the next day, the Monday after a new episode airs. And then we're going to do a second podcast, which will come out on Thursdays, that will include any feedback you want to send to the podcast or... Uh, if you have three words, suggestions for a particular episode, you can submit them. Um, not exactly sure what kind of deadline we're going to need because we don't know exactly what night of the week we're going to record yet. Uh, it may be Wednesday nights. It may be Tuesday nights. I'm not really sure yet. So uh, I'll have a more firm deadline for you on the next podcast before we start. But your feedback is always welcome regarding new episodes of Game of Thrones as they air, and we will be sure to include them in our Thursday podcasts each week as the season progresses. 
Did I talk about everything that I needed to talk about? I think so. So why don't we get into our feedback? Uh, We'll start with podcast app reviews, actually. And I only found one in my scanning through uh, some of the apps. So if I have missed yours, please send an email to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S, audioblog at gmail.com. And tell me where to look, and I will be happy to read it in the next podcast that we have. Um, Thank you very much in advance for any reviews that you do leave. It's very important uh, just for me to know what you're thinking of the show. With that said, uh, this one is from the U.S. iTunes store. It is from DJ-T underscore Hizzy. That's DJ-T underscore Hizzy, who gives it five stars and says, Once again, mastery on podcasts. Matt always brings the wildfire commentary. He gets such wonderful contributors and friends to enhance his genius. A must-listen if you like outstanding content. Well, thank you very much for that uh, glowing review. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know how much I really contribute uh, to the success of the last couple of seasons watching. I I give a lot of credit to Kelly and to Susan and to, uh, of of course, Holly and Stephanie and uh, Bubba, of course, from the Joffrey of Podcasts. Be sure to check that podcast out. And I think this is DJ Tim Hines. I may be wrong, but I think this is DJ Tim Hines who uh, left this review. And if that's you, DJ, uh, folks, be sure to check out his show on BN4IA. Uh, he has a This is for My House Heads show, which uh, is on on the weekends. And of course, he is the host of the fan call in show for Podcast Winterfell. So be sure to check that out, podcastwinterfell.com. Or again, you can check out the Joffrey of Podcasts with our friend Bubba, who does the voiceovers for this podcast and is always a great guest here. Um, that is the Double P Media, which is at double PHQ on Twitter and I don't know, Instagram and Facebook and I, they're all over social media. So just look up double PHQ, uh, the word double the letter P HQ enough plugging. Um, thank you very much to DJ dash T underscore hizzy uh, on us iTunes for your review. Very much appreciated. And uh, we'll get into some emails next feedback. Your feedback on episodes of Game of Thrones or the A Song of Ice and Fire book series. And this first email is from our friend Sandy, who uh, is leaving feedback for Season 6, Episode 1, and says, First of all, I'm with you, Matt. Brienne offering her sword once more to Sansa brings tears to my eyes every time. Brienne is such an endearing character for so many reasons, it's heartwarming to see something good happen to her. Hmm. Actually, it's heartwarming to see anything good happen to anyone in this series. True enough. Mel not wearing the ruby choker in the bath was probably a continuity error. Like Kelly said, use your imagination to explain it if it bothers you. No biggie for me. As to the choker itself, it may be a magical item, but in George's world, I'm doubting it's the cause of her appearance, but merely a tool used for that purpose, much as the powders she uses to color the flames in the book, which may be reasons the bottles on the table were the focal point for a few seconds before the big reveal. The combo of the 80-year-old Irish woman as a body double and the prosthetics 
on Carice's face were extremely well done and effective, I thought. I know there's a lot of debate over who Mel really is, but personally, I'm not into the Blood Raven's daughter's camp. I think she's a bit too old, and the resemblance to Shira I consider to be a red herring, but only time and more books will be able to tell that tale. How her age affects her storyline is anyone's guess at this point, but I suspect it will depend on who she really is. Here's some tinfoil for you. Maybe she's Aegon's sister-wife, Rhaenys, whose body was never returned. Wow. Um, In the books, that may be the case. Um, I doubt that they would even be able to get to that in the television show, Sandy, but uh, I like that for just for a fun little tinfoil hat uh, theory there. Uh, Sandy goes on to say, you mentioned John being a powerful warg, and it's true for the book, but what about Arya? She wargs Narmeria from across the sea. It broke my heart when she pulled Cat from the river. George is so mean sometimes. Good thing we love him and appreciate his genius. I never know what to say about Dorne, honestly. I dislike the show's treatment of it so much. The worst part is it's got me wondering as to how much it will amount to in the books. So far, the long game doesn't seem to have produced any good fruit. His kids are getting killed, just like Cersei's kids. Alistair, Alistair, Alistair. What is there to say about him? I never saw a glimmer of hope for him. He was too firmly entrenched in what he believed the Night's Watch to be, is why I believe he opened the gate for John and the Wildlings. He said it himself. He never disobeyed an order. But John was turning the Night's Watch into something he didn't recognize. Alistair was part of the old guard that had to be pushed off the board so that younger ones who had vision could have their turn at saving the realm. Very good. Um, the only thing I'd say to that is John was one of those younger brains and this whole episode with Alistair made him quit, essentially. Um, so I, I know that John has a bigger, quote, destiny to fill as we all suspected, of course, with the reveal at the end of Season 7 that he is, in fact, Rhaegar's son. But uh, it's still, I don't know uh, where the younger ideas are going to come from. Ed? Really? You trust Ed to come up with ideas? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Sandy says three words. The big reveal. Danny revelation to the Dothraki. Ramsay reveals sentiment towards Miranda. Davos' revelation that he likes mutton, and of course, Mel's big reveal, which, by the way, I can't unsee. Ooh, okay, and brothel mates for this particular episode, I admit to laboring over this one because I didn't want to give anything to him, but I'm going with Alistair and loyalty to the institution of the Night's Watch, misguided as it was. I had to admire how he admitted to the assassination of John, even though I hated that he did it. Took guts to do that which I think showed his dedication to the institution. All right. Thank you, Sandy, for that email. Really appreciate it. Uh, Another one from Sandy for Season 6, Episode 2, saying, This episode was so packed, I'll just touch on a few things. First, the Thoros versus Mare Resurrection methods. Thinking creatively, 
it could be the words are the same, but maybe the ritualistic cleansing of the body is typical of funeral rites being performed in a temple as opposed to a battlefield scenario where it would not be possible. Mel did say it shouldn't have been possible for Thoros to resurrect Beric that many times. I suspect that in the past ages, people were resurrected this way as magic waned, the procedure became less effective and more of an expected rite. As to Stannis, corpse availability would keep him out of the running for a resurrection from Mel. That, and most likely Brienne, gave him the big haircut, so he probably had no place to hang his hat. For the most part, resurrections in this world don't end up in a good time had by all, so I think Stannis came out ahead on this one. Oh my. Uh, I agree totally with Holly about Euron. He was scary twice. The episode when he captured Yara, downright terrifying in that battle where he where the crazy came out to play. Most of his other appearances have just been silliness. On the lighter side, greens on a plate have more uses than just filling the plate. Parsley is full of vitamins and nutrients if you chew on a sprig. It cleanses the palate and freshens the breath. One last comment. I remember the first time I watched the scene between Tommen and Cersei that I felt a little ill when he asked her to help him be strong. Hmm, good point. Uh, like all of those thoughts, and for brothel mates, Sandy says, Woon Woon and the gate, because our time with him at this point is so, so short. Understood? And three words, I'm going home, just for Theon because he suffered enough. I felt so sorry for him, but at least he's on a different path now. All right, Sandy, thank you for those thoughts. And I have one other email before we get to our trailer talk. That is from Claire. Claire is from France, and she apologized for her English. She wrote a very nice little bit. Uh, about some things that I'd said on a prior podcast, um, the one where John first woke up, more or less. And I really appreciate that. Um, it, some of it's a little bit too personal uh, to share, I think. But uh, for the nice emails that I got regarding that stuff and for the emails I've received um, and the phone calls and the texts and everything that I've received about the passing of my father, thank you all very, very much. I really appreciate you all taking the time um, to reach out and just say, you know, you hear me. And I really appreciate it. We will be here for season eight. So don't worry. Nothing has been spoiled um, by the circumstances of the last couple months. We'll continue to press forward. Uh, I just needed a little bit of time to get some of my stuff together, more or less, before uh, season eight began so that I could really go into season eight um face first and and have fun with it and that's what me and the girls are planning to do anyway uh claire thank you very much for this email do not apologize for your english you wrote this very well i'm sure that my french would be much 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 worse than your english was and your english is actually pretty impeccable your english is probably better than mine anyway claire writes you spoke about the fact that aria drank the water and didn't die my explanation is that she was immune to it you see her in an earlier scene smelling and measuring powders. If I remember correctly, in the books, she learns to use poisons. Still in the books, she is becoming blind after she drinks some, quote, milk. 
Well, at least that's my explanation. All right. Thank you, Claire. I think that that kind of clears it up that maybe there was um, other things involved than just the drinking of the water uh, in terms of people when they would uh, drink the water and pass on. Maybe there was already something in the cup. And in this case, um, there was something different in the cup. I would I would accept that as an explanation. Uh, so thank you very much, folks, for those uh, emails. I know that this portion of the podcast was kind of brief. And just a, another spoiler warning here. We're going to be talking about the Season 8 trailer. I'm going to have some of the girls, some of the Song of Ice and Fire Sirens with me. We're going to be talking about it. A lot of it <laughs> has been bludgeoned to death. Over the last week, we're way behind. We're not going to be telling you anything that you probably haven't already heard three billion times in three other billion other podcasts or in three billion other articles. But, you know, I just thought it would be nice if we would all talk about it so that we can kind of get an idea of what kind of expectation this sets for us for season eight. And if you're not interested in any of that talk, if you don't want to be spoiled about what's in the trailer, if you've managed to avoid you know, the 81 million views that it's had or whatever in the last couple days uh, or the couple days after it first came out, then I appreciate you and I do not want to spoil you. So turn this podcast off now or otherwise it's time to bring in the sirens of a song of ice and fire and talk about the Game of Thrones season eight trailer. All right, folks, and we are joined to talk about the trailer for season eight by the Sirens of A Song of Ice and Fire. They've been my guests for seasons four, five, and six in reviewing episodes. Well, we have three of the four of them. Uh, I'd like to take a quick note to kind of reach out uh, and see if anybody knows at Black Eyed Lily on Twitter, uh, Susan, who is our fourth siren of A Song of Ice and Fire. She's the siren of A Song of Ice and Fire from the East and uh, we've not heard from her in a while, and we're a little bit concerned about her. So if you happen to know Susan or have heard from her since, say, mid-January, um, if you could kindly give her a nudge and and tell her to, to reach out to us so that we know that she's okay. We're just worried about her is all. Um, not to be a downer, let's get into talking about this trailer, which is kind of a downer in itself. But nonetheless, uh, we have the Song of Ice and Fire Sirens with us. The one from the West is at Kelly Underfoot on Twitter. We welcome back. Kelly, how are you? Super good. Super excited. We are like all official. We all have these new mics that Matt sent us, and we're very excited to sound crystal clear in your ears today. <laughs> Let's hope that's the plan. That is the plan. Uh, we welcome back also from the south, the siren of a song of ice and fire from the south. It's hunt at hunt pants on Twitter. It's weird. Welcome back, Holly. Hey, Matt. How's it going? I'm super hyped. How about you? I'm very hyped myself, and I'm really hyped to have three song of ice and fire sirens all on the same podcast for once. We have back once again the song of ice and fire. Siren from the North. She's at SM Persephone on Twitter. Welcome back, Stephanie. 
Hello, I am so excited to be here with the beautiful ladies and the beautiful man of uh, Matt's GOT blog. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks for having me, uh, ladies. Uh, I hate to put a damper on your conversation, but I'll try and lead it as best I can. We're going to be talking about the season eight trailer, folks. This is your last chance to bail out if you don't want any spoilers regarding season eight of Game of Thrones. We will be discussing the trailer itself. Uh, a couple of articles from Entertainment Weekly also that kind of supplement that. So if you're not into any of that kind of information, then get the heck out now while you still can. Run. Run like Arya. Ooh. Uh, spoiler. Run like Arya while you still can. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, let's get to talking about this trailer. I'm going to start with you, Holly. And uh, we're just kind of go on the surface like we normally do talking about things first. Uh, what ma- What did you feel about this season eight trailer did you feel excited uh was there anything that you didn't expect that you saw or anything that you totally expected that you were kind of like yeah i kind of saw that coming um well first of all i guess it made me really really excited just a few months ago i was like you know i just didn't want game of thrones to end so badly that i i think i even tweeted like i could wait another year and then they dropped that first teaser and i like took it all back i'm like no i'm ready now <laughs> i need it um so of course it every new teaser and and the trailer of course uh, just it's really just been adding to my hype and it's just building the tension i'm very ready for it um as far as what to expect, I I kind of just been trying to manage my expectations. So I'm not really hoping for anything. So I'm just like, I'm really bad at this podcast right now because I don't really, I didn't really think of anything that was like, it was all exciting to me. There was nothing I was hoping to see and didn't see. Um, I take it back. They did not have any dire wolves. What the heck? So many dragons, no dire wolves, obligatory <laughs> dire wolf rant um but that's it uh so other than that though i'm just i'm just ready excellent all right well i totally get your direwolf rant uh i know that uh some people thought were hoping that they were direwolf hooves in some of the trailer there but they were just horse hooves i believe uh how about you kelly what what did you think of the season eight trailer overall before we get into looking at it kind of shot by shot <laughs> my the whole time I watched it, it's like two minutes long. I'm just sitting there. It's it's the last one. It's the last one. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't focus on like uh, this will be the last time we see Brienne. This will be the last time we see Sansa. Like just, I was just overwhelmed by a lot of that sensation while watching it. I'm I always have in the back of my mind this like adore you know adoring. Uh, special little spot where I know George is writing the books and then we'll have them eventually. And maybe we'll all be like 50 years old when we get them, but you know what? I'm okay with that because drawing it out is the best part and getting to think about it and it still being relevant is my favorite thing. So it being the most relevant right now is glorious. And you know, that excitement is kind of my first take of this, just watching this trailer, because I've never, I can never guess correctly. I can never <laughs> predict what any of these scenes are, and I can never trust them. So I uh, I mostly just enjoyed basking in, in seeing all of our lovely characters again. Um, of course, the dragons, I thought were glorious. Um, <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. Holly. <laughs> but the, uh, and, you know, at this point, we have a bad track record with with the dire wolves and seeing them on screen, I feel like would have just been foreboding. I would have had anxiety. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. 
there were a couple times where I had to go back and we'll, I'm sure we'll go over it where I was like, why is, why is Jamie have both of his hands? I don't understand. But I think that's all going to get cleared up as we talk about it. So <laughs> yeah, just a couple of like exciting moments with like just an overwhelming feeling of, of excitement. That's all. <laughs> Excellent. And I would warn you to be very careful about that whole phrase of when, when we're 50 years old, the, the books will come out because I'm already getting really close to 50. So just watch <laughs> oh, that. No. Uh, anyway, let's turn to our Song of Ice and Fire Siren from the north. Stephanie, any initial thoughts about the trailer when you first saw it or how you're feeling about it now? Well, my initial thought was it was dark, not just physically and the cinematography was dark, but it just seemed very dark and foreboding. That was my initial reaction. And then when I went back to analyze it, as you know, Matt, I love my themes, um, you know, themes about the episode. So I came up with a theme for the trailer and my theme for the trailer was duality. So while it was dark, um, you know, there were moments of hope, hopefully. So dark and light. Um, obviously, it was exciting and sweet, but we know it's the end. So it's bitter. So we have bitter and sweet. We have the living fighting the dead. So we have the living and the dead, good and evil. And of course, ice and fire. We have Danny with her dragons up in Winterfell in the ice zone. She's dressed in white. She looks like ice. John is dressed in darkness and he's ice and fire. Um, so I just thought the duality and the contrast between everything um, in this trailer was really great. Excellent. I like all of those thoughts. I was just personally, I, I was kind of like, uh, do I want to watch this? Do it. Do I want to watch this? Do I want to just not know anything? And then something told me that little devil in the, on the shoulder said, ah, man, they're not going to show you anything that they don't want you to see anyway. And then uh, our buddies uh, in various podcast mediums came up with the fact that, you know, they don't really do those. The marketing company does those. And then it got me thinking about it again after I'd seen it. I was like, yeah, there's a shot or two that I probably would have left out if I were Dave and Dan. Not that they're like major spoilers or anything like that. It just um, there's there's a couple of shots that I would have thought yeah, it would have been better to be surpri completely surprised by that or just not know until certain people showed up and, and you saw them on the screen. Um, I'm specifically talking about the Barrack and uh, Tormund thing. Not that anybody really thought that they were dead, but it would have been nice just to leave the question kind of hanging for a few more moments. Well, and you know, I didn't even notice the Barrack and Tormund thing. Mac paused it and he pointed it out to me. And I was like, that's something that I would have just, it just blown right by. So that's interesting that you pointed that out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about it, not frame by frame. We don't try to be like uh, Bubba and Catfish from the Joffrey of Podcasts. They're our good friends. They do an excellent job breaking stuff down to a point where uh, you can literally <laughs> spend two hours uh, on on two minutes of trailer. And I, I enjoy that they're doing it. I'm not that uh, I guess I'm just too lazy. Let me just put it that way. So we're going to kind of look at it uh, just kind of as a synopsis of each shot as opposed to the the, the whole frame by frame thing. Um, you won't hear any analysis from me that you haven't heard anywhere else uh, in the past week. Every, we're kind of late 
on the train to getting this out. And um, my observation certainly won't be anything all that enlightening, but I feel it's important to share how I feel about it and what it's making me think about the season. And it starts off with a shot of Arya, and uh, then it turns out that she's running. There are intercuts of Davos, um, who seems to be walking somewhere, and Varys, who looks like he's couched in fear, waiting for something to come somewhere. And Arya says, I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. And she's holding dragon glass. So it's it's pretty wild. First of all, my first thought, Kelly, is that we haven't seen Arya seem quite as scared as she seems to be here uh, in quite a while. Maybe not ever, but the one time that I can think of would be similar to that would be when the, the waif attacked her uh, in Bravos. Yeah. And a lot of, you mentioned other analysis and I have heard that this is, there's a lot of, um, especially Stephanie's comparison with duality. A lot of shots in this trailer line up with season one, um, kind of, um, sim- you know, symmetry kind of starting the season, um, ending the series the same way you started the series, I guess. Uh, and this kind of harkens back. Yeah. To season one, maybe Aria, when she's like, sees her dad get killed and is running away. And there's that same level of fear. Um, and I, I would definitely liken this. I've got it like freeze framed on my computer. I'm like, this face is like little baby Aria. Like even when she was blind or fighting the waif, like it was more of like a panic concern as opposed to this, like, I want my mom or my dad kind of face that she seems to have. And maybe that's intentional um, just for the um, symmetry, but it could also be they opened the trailer with this because they want us to know how serious the threat is. Because if you were to list who's the, you know, toughest person at Winterfall right now, you know, a lot of people would say Arya and they open on her looking this scared. I think that's intentional. And yeah, we don't know what she's running from, and we, that just increases the fear and the, the tension. And it's awesome. Yeah, my, Kelly, my girl. <laughs> that was going to be my question to you. Um, who? Wh- what do you think she's running from? Because, I, you know, she's holding dragon glass, so that makes me think that maybe she's running from a White Walker or the Night King or something. But you know, she could also be running. But I don't know. Those that's my only thought. What do you guys who do you think she's running from or scared of? Because Arya doesn't get scared, like you said. Yeah, it's uh, there's a cool shot of right before she turns the corner where she closes her eyes and then turns. And I think a lot of this is pulling from her time being blind and running around in a dark corridor. And that's the other confusing part is that she's inside, whereas all of the other battles are kind of all done outside. So it's like it seems like more of a one on one threat than a yeah, than a than a like a during a battle, Battle, a big battle. Yeah. So. There's with the dragon glass, um, you got to think that it's an undead. And a right. lot of people have had all this wild speculation that there's like, there's the crypts at Winterfell. How, uh. how, <laughs> how, how entombed are those bones? <laughs> so if it's, you know. And, and how horrifying would that be to be chased by bones of your ancestors in your crypt? of your house that you used to like play so in and run. Oh, my only, gosh. my only doubt with that is how cheesy it was when all of those bones came and attacked Bran 
and Jojen and Mira. Yeah. And they that would not go weird. back to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty that was pretty ugly. They learned their lesson. So my thought was if it's not Bones, who's a fresh corpse we have at Winterfell? So maybe Littlefinger or something along those lines. <laughs> mm. If it's an undead. If it's an undead. If it's an undead. Holly, what do you think? I don't like it thinking it's Littlefinger because why would they keep his body there after killing him, first of all? Um, but second of all, maybe it's like somebody, like a soldier on their side that died in the battle and was raised again. Um, yeah, I think maybe it's just some undead soldiers coming after her, but it is very perturbing how scared she is. Uh, something I was thinking about earlier is that she's been a badass for the last few seasons but it's always been like one-on-one situations and this is going to be like her first battle so i wonder if like the slaughter is like a trigger for her for like ptsd or something like that because she hasn't really seen anything like that since she was in king's landing or since she was on the road with yorin and and watched all these people like die so i wonder if that's gonna you know she's awesome but like she starts seeing all these people die around her i wonder if she's like if that's bringing up like those really terrible memories of her and her younger years dealing with everything leading up to Ned's death. And then afterwards, after, until she escapes Harrenhal. Yeah. And there's a big difference between being really tough when you're on your own and you don't have anyone around you that you care about. And then being like at your home, defending it. Like she, she was very much in a, like, you know, doesn't give a flip out there you know, in, in Bravos because she didn't have anything to lose. For sure. So, back at home now this is this is probably and there's also like that whole element of regressing back to your childhood even that she could be experiencing and going back to feeling like a little kid even though she's gone through all of this going back to your childhood home i'm sure i've mentioned this a thousand times on this podcast it just reverts you a little bit to like old ways or an old state of mind so there's there's a couple of psychological reasons that it could be other than the fact that she's <laughs> probably facing an undead scary thing <laughs> Hmm. Very good. You guys have broke that down way more than I would have thought. I, I, I it could have been, but uh, I love all those thoughts. Uh, any Stephanie, any final thoughts about this scene before we move on? Um, the only thing I had about because she says that she's looking forward to this death or this face of death. Uh, who is she talking about again? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming that she's referring to the Night King. That's what, I, that. that's what I thought. I also thought maybe Cersei, but Cersei wouldn't be in Winterfell. So that was my only other like query about that scene. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I, I think also that it is the, the Night King. We, it just seems like uh, that's what she would associate death with the most. Now, who who do we think she's talking to? I guess should be the other question. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I like to think it's Gendry. Gendry. She's holding the knife, so maybe maybe he just hooked her up with some uh with some uh daggers that he forged or made. Nice. I like that idea. I really do. I have a curiosity about Arya that didn't have any clues in the in the trailer, but she had this interaction with Melisandre so many seasons ago and that hasn't really come into fruition where she's um we will meet again, I think is what Melisandre said. Um so we'll see. And Melisandre did tell Varys, I think, that he would die and that she would die both in Westeros or something. And mm-hmm. that, that you know, Varys is at King's Landing. or I'm sorry, Varys is, at, uh, is in the crypts of Winterfell. So it seems like maybe Melisandre has rejoined. Maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe so. <laughs> it, it, it would be interesting to see how Melisandre wormed her way back in if Davos is anywhere around. For sure, um, but you know that um, Arya does not like the Red Woman because she took Gendry away. That is true. That is very true. And now Arya's got Gendry and the Red Woman around her, possibly, if your postulation is correct. Uh, let's move on to the next little sequence, and that is uh, three ships uh, sailing. They've got Krakens on their sails. And then we cut to a singular ship, and I'm not certain that they're the same group of ships. Uh, I think our friend Bubba from the Joffrey podcast pointed out that uh, it looked like the the imaging on the sails was different from the second set where we see the deck of the ship. And a bunch of soldiers who appear to be dressed in gold um, being led or spoken to by a man with his back to us, who I actually mistook for Jamie Lannister for a long time until somebody pointed out to me that, oh, look, the guy's got a right hand. Well, that can't be Jamie very well. Uh, but uh, what do we think of this sequence? Let's go to you, Stephanie. Go ahead. Well, like you, I thought it was Jamie at first, too. Um, and I was like, why would Jamie be on a Greyjoy ship? Because I did pause it and they do have the same sales. But then I was like, that's the Golden Company. I think Cersei hired the Golden Company, but we know he kind of ditched Cersei. So this was all predicated on the that fact that I thought that was Jamie and it's not, but I still want to know who it is. Um, so now we have the golden company on a Greyjoy ship. Presumably Euron is the captain. I don't think we see him though. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that we see anybody that resembles him the way we've seen him before. Right. Anyway, for sure. Um, you wonder if this guy is just maybe the, the captain of right. the, the golden company army. It's just telling him to march forward and, um, it doesn't seem to be extremely like cold weather all around it or anything. So no. this is probably a, a King's Landing kind of approach, I right. would think. Yeah. Or leaving uh, Essos. Or leaving oh, Essos, which is one. possible also, Kelly. Very good. Yeah. Kelly, Just what it thoughts? Well, yeah, I was going to say from the framing, um, the first shot is of the ships coming and this shot from behind is of the ships going. So <laughs> maybe that's the little distinction that we're, we're, we're looking at here. And yeah, in the, the shot from behind, there's dozens of ships and they all have, um, especially the one in, in the foreground that the, the golden man is on, has many more sails than all of the other ones, especially the oncoming ships. So it is, um, it's hard to, to gauge what that is. I mean, I guess the, the other set of ships could be um, Yara uh, and, and her crew uh, joining Danny, or I, I don't know, somewhere up at the north, I guess. Um, but yeah, this, this shot of the, from the back, um, is interesting and I'm wondering why they chose this. I'm kind of, whenever I look at shots like this, I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> I want to hear what he's going to say to all of them. Cause they're obviously assembled. So either they just got on the ship or they're about to just get off the ship. I don't, this seems ridiculous, but <laughs> you don't have to stand there the whole time, <laughs> but uh, they, they are there. <laughs> Let's hope that they're not embarking, uh, because if they're going to stand there like that for all the way across the narrow sea, that'd be a pretty, pretty long trip. <laughs> that would be horrible. <laughs> I mean, that be... maybe that's just demonstrating their fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> They've got fortitude just like the Unsullied. So, so be it. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's the Golden Company. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see, uh, like, yeah, this leader who is very Jamie looking, um, very Jamie season one looking. And will this cause conflict with Cersei? Because 
Cersei really liked season one, Jamie, and <laughs> doesn't very much like season seven, Jamie. So, so I have a question, and this is me just so Cersei hired the Golden Company, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. She so, she got to, she was uh, she got the money from the, the Bank of Iron Bank of Bravo right. so that she could hire them. Yes. And so Euron is presumably still on her side. Is anybody else on her side? <laughs> That's my question. Uh, and we can talk about that later, but that's that's one of my main questions: is who is on Cersei's side now? Yeah, I think we're looking at him. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that was my that was what I thought, but I was like, anybody else? Nope, I don't think so. <laughs> well, you have to remember, there probably still are a number of Lannister soldiers still loyal that's to her, true. obviously, and they're because around. yeah, because Jamie obviously didn't take them with him when he left King's Landing. He kind of had to just get the heck out of there before the. She changed her mind and sent the mountain on him or something. Right. So uh, there is that. Uh, but I think you're right. I think in terms of actual allies, I don't think there's much in Cersei's uh, back pocket for that. Moving on, there is the voice of Bran saying, everything you did brought you to where you are now. And then we see a shot of uh, Dollar's Ed and, and Tormund and Beric. Uh, walking through somewhere, and Beric's got his f- sword all aflame. Uh, and then it cuts to Bran and Sam, and it looks like Bran is still speaking at that point. Well, actually, it's probably a d- at a different point, but Bran and Sam seem to be speaking, and something gets Sam's attention. Uh, and then we'll just stop right there, because I, I, I do want to address this uh, this whole reveal of, of Ed and Tormund and Beric. Those guys uh, did a lot of walking, evidently, without getting killed by any uh, White Walkers or Whites if they are hooking up with Ed and then wherever they're at from there. Um, Because Ed, as far as we know, is still at Castle Black. I wasn't so much disappointed in the fact that Tormund and Beric are alive. (laughs) So I'm I'm happy that they are. Uh, But I was disappointed that the trailer they decided to show that in the trailer just for the fact that i do know that there were some people out there that were saying man you know you you can kill stannis off without actually seeing his death why are these guys so important that you have to see them die if they're going to be dead Mm, i don't like that argument because that's suggesting that brianne brianne would not have actually done that because that's when they cut away like if we're talking about stannis is when brianne's like swinging her sword down you think she's gonna stop i mean like there's no way so those, those people who don't believe Stannis is dead because you don't see it, and like they obviously don't know Brienne very well. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's just kind of a ridiculous notion, anyways. Um, the other thing that I think about it is, <laughs> I have no idea where they are. It doesn't seem like they're at Castle Black. They Agreed. could be in the crypts as well. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Very... It does seem like they're somewhere different. Who knows? I'm not sure. Yeah, and unless. Now, as book readers, we all know that there's a whole range of tunnels and all these things underneath Castle Black. Um, for them to make that reveal now, this late in the series, wouldn't be that much of a stretch to do. Um, but it would be something that fans would not, TV only fans would not be that familiar with up to this point. So I'm not, and, and the fact that Barrack has his, I mean, are, are, they, are they just out of fuel? Do they have no light there? Is that why Beric has his sword lit? Or, or are they facing down against some kind of enemy? Uh, yeah, uh, Ed does have his um, sword out. Um, so it's possible uh, that they're 
about to encounter some um, fighting, but also Ed is in front. So <laughs> why would Tormund not be in front if that's the case? <laughs> um, and Ed has his uh, his his um, cloak on the the Lord Commander uh, cloak that John gave him. So maybe it is something official with the Knights um, of the Wall. I don't know, but the uh, I have two theories, and one is pretty practical is that the um you have to get information from character to character somehow just narratively and maybe this is how the writers are getting information to uh winterfell um about what happened at uh at the wall um i don't know why necessarily uh maybe they're going to another castle to give them the information because Mm -hmm. obviously winterfell would know um by dragon pretty quickly, I, I guess. <laughs> or, or by, yeah, or, or by brand look green seeing. So. Yeah. There's other, there are definitely other narrative ways they could spread information. So my other kind of more um, tinfoil hattie would be that they are, they walked along the wall and they are one of the probably very few survivors who are now behind the army um, of the Night's King. And maybe they will come across something uh, in the library at Castle Black, or maybe at one of the other closed n- night forts somewhere along the wall that is ancient and has information about the Night's King, and this is where they'll get something that's useful to the fight. Um, maybe another, you know, um, sword or something. Maybe they'll find Lightbringer for real. <laughs> and Bran continues to speak, uh, and we see a shot of the Red Keep where Brand, you hear his uh, voice say, where you belong. And then it's a shot of the Red Keep and then Cersei and Kyburn. And to me, Kyburn looks a little worried there, but Cersei kind of has almost this little bit of a smug smile on her face. Um, is it possible that uh, Cersei has finally done something that Kyburn doesn't approve of, if, if that's even possible? mm my my tinfoil theory. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Kyburn gives her information. Maybe he got a raven um, some information that the uh, the wall has fallen. And as a maester, ex maester, he knows the seriousness of this, and that means that you know it's coming now, and this is worrisome to normal people. But then you've got Cersei, who is like this. I'm living in a legendary moment. I am amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is her time. Soon my enemies will be vanquished by the dead. Yeah. Uh, Could be very well like that. One thing that I loved was how the Red Keep was coming into prominence where that last phrase came through. Because I really feel like Bran is obviously, well, not obviously, but it seems to me that he's talking to John in this moment with this whole string of words. And uh, having John being talked to about where he belongs and a shot of the Red Keep going together, I thought that that was really slick. Um, a nice way to remind everybody that John is in fact Aegon Targaryen and not uh, Jon Snow anymore, at least not as far as Bran is concerned. Um, love that. What other thoughts do we have about Cersei and Kyburn? Are there any of this right here? Anybody? The banners of the Lannisters are all dingy on the wall outside of a King's Landing. You've only got like two soldiers in frame. Oh man, it's just looking so overcast. It's usually so bright and like lush, and it's all gray, and all the plants are dying. I can get, I can go on, Matt, but you don't want that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, in that case, the boy who is watching from a tree in the little town that is outside of Winterfell, presumably where Brienne and Podrick were staying as they were watching for the candle um, that they left right before they could have seen. Uh, the Unsullied are marching through, and then uh, we uh, get the whole deal back uh, to John and Daenerys being on horseback. And I, it's not clear to me whether they've actually got to Winterfell or not. Um, they could just be part of this whole session here uh, that the boy is watching as they're approaching Winterfell. Um, does anybody have any thoughts about any of that? Um, just in general, I think the first episode is going to mirror, and this, this is probably based on a lot of what I've heard on other podcasts too, but a lot of people seem to think that the first episode is going to mirror the first episode of the series. And, um, and I think this is one of those shots that's supposed to kind of mirror Bran or Arya, like looking out and seeing, um, the, everybody coming into Winterfell, uh, so I like that about it. And I wonder how much is it going to be like shot for shot, you know, for the first episode. And um, is there going to be a cold open is another thing thinking about this kind of led me to like the first episode has. And if so, what would that be? They started season seven with a cold open. Also, um, they have a few seasons, not too many, but uh, season three, season seven, season one. Uh, might as well make it for the last season as well. I, I like that. My microphone cut out for a while. I wanted to, to say about Cersei. just wanted to say that Cersei, this whole trailer, we only see her a few times and her facial expressions are puzzling. Um, you mentioned she has a smirk in the one with Kyburn, and then she almost, as we speak of duality, she kind of has a sad, forlorn, disappointed look towards the end of the trailer. Um I don't know what she's thinking. I mean, we never know what Cersei's thinking, and it's a scary place to be in her mind, but just seeing her, it's like, what did she do now? Or what is she upset about? Or what is she happy about? Because, it's usually oh my never gosh. Good. Yeah, it's never going to be good. And it's like, and Lena Headey is just such a great actress that she expresses that so well with just a few facial movements. That's like, it's still... I don't know. She's just awesome as Cersei and it makes me scared. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, any other thoughts on this uh, bit here in uh, the, the winter town or whatever that is? Just a little bit. Just watching the Unsullied walk through uh, the winter town is just a clashing of worlds in my mind. <laughs> this is something we've never read. We can't like... I've never even pictured this. And so now to see them here in the North is so bizarre. <laughs> it's very out of like left field. I could not picture this. Um, had you given me like three books and told me that anything could happen in them. None of them I would have thought would have been unsullied in the North. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I love that. As we get to Winterfell and as everybody is approaching, uh, or you assume that that's the case, um, the dragons start coming over Winterfell, and Sansa's watching them from the ramparts. Yay! Uh, <laughs> we need to express to Sansa how important it is that you never turn your back on a dragon. She once she fo she follows Drogon over her head and and turns her back on Rhaegal. That's not a good move, Sansa. That's um, not a good move. Matt, she has red hair. So, you know, they have fire in common. And also, Sansa is so pretty, a dragon would never hurt her. Yeah, good, point. good point. I love Sansa so much. 
but yes, uh, that's uh, pretty interesting. Anybody have a gauge of what her reaction actually is? It doesn't seem to be the amazement that we see on Arya's face a little later. Um, anybody thinking anything about that? I think Sansa has a little bit more um, trauma um, where things that are typically wonderful and amazing that are out of a storybook maybe aren't as romantic in her head anymore. And she might always associate them with, I used to think this would have been magical. What's going to happen to me now? <laughs> kind of mm, that's an excellent point. I like that. I like that. And moving on from there, unless anybody has any other thoughts. Okay. Uh, we see uh, Drogon and Rhaegal flying over Winterfell, and I'll, I'll be honest, uh, when I first saw this shot, I was like, is that a map? Is that the map piece from the intro of the show? It really just didn't look all that great to me. Maybe it's just the, the, the way it is on YouTube or, or what have you, but didn't really do it for me. Um, and then we have John starting to talk, and he says, they're coming. Uh, we have Danny enter uh, in a scene standing behind John. I think that is in the crypts of Winterfell. I'm not certain. You guys can correct me if not. Then we have John and Danny kind of sharing a moment, uh, presumably still there in the crypts. As John says, our enemy doesn't tire. Uh, we'll stop there before we get to Gendry. Any thoughts about any of the John and Danny interactions or anything like that? Um, I totally agree with you with what, what you said about Winterfell looking like the map, but I didn't pick that up until watching the Joffrey podcast rewatch because they had it, you know, frozen on the frames. And it does, it does look like they just use that as the model or whatever. Um, so I thought that was funny that you said that. Um, yeah. And then Danny and John in the crypts, that's just like another one of those <clears throat> season one, episode one shots of, you know, Ned and Robert in the crypts. Now it's John and Danny. So I think that's going to be in the first episode for sure. Now we have to assume that Bran and, and Sam are going to tell John about who he is. Um, do you get any clue from, from these scenes or these particular shots that this may be post them finding out? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Kelly? Any thoughts about the crypts here? Uh, Yes, his unwillingness to look at her when she walks up behind him it tells me that there's something like uh, either he, she just told him that she's pregnant with his child and, you know, as a bastard that that has a lot of um, weight on him and especially like his whole like youth <laughs> being uh, what it was. So that could be all that it was. Um, it could also be yeah that they... Um, have been informed of the nature of their, their coupling. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, did you feel anything for it? Did you feel uh, concerned for them or, or sad for them or anything like that? No, I'm only concerned about the crypts. I'm very excited that we're spending so much time in the crypts of Winterfell because that's one of my favorite mysteries. And it looks like they're in the crypts and it looks like a bunch of different characters are convening in the crypts and, Crypt, crypt, crypt. <laughs> I just feel like I keep saying that. Um, but no, uh, John and Danny, their relationship is what it is. They're what neat nephew and aunt, you know, Targaryens have done worse. I don't know. Uh, Joanna <laughs> Lannister and Tywin were cousins. I don't really care about that, but I, I'm more interested right. in, <laughs> in in their location. 
<laughs> understood understood very good i'll, I'll take that we're all desensitized to incest now yep pretty much <laughs> i can i just say my girl danny's hair is looking lush and amazing oh, all braided up oh it's so good i can't get over it it's like my goal hair she's so pretty all right we're done Thanks, i can't Matt. wait to see sansa wear her hair like that now <laughs> me too <laughs> Oh, hair goals, hair goals, ladies and gentlemen. We have hair goals here on the podcast. Always. Uh, always. Speaking of hair goals, uh, Gendry just decided that he didn't want anything to do with hair anymore. He seems to have gotten some kind of buzz cut. He made a special sword in his little forge here. We get a shot of him. And it looks like he's forging a lot of weapons. John's saying uh, the enemy doesn't tire, doesn't stop. Uh, and, and Gendry's there uh, just suiting up the army. And looking pretty buff, I would say. We got to meet him at uh, Con of Thrones last year. He's a really nice dude. He's a lot shorter than I thought he would be. He looks just like he did at Con of Thrones. Like, he had that hair at Con of Thrones, am I right? Yeah, it makes you kind of wonder. Had they just finished filming? I was just wondering that when you started talking about him. I was like, did did they film? And were they trying to ask him questions about season eight that he, of course, wasn't going to answer? Or, like, was he about to go? I can't remember now, but he really does look... Like, Holly, did you get to make out with him? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <Did not. laughs> what about you, Matt? Uh, I did not get to make out with him, unfortunately. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I, I would have... I, I, I did get to shake his hand. And, okay, and, well, that's close enough. He was a pretty decent dude. He was pretty nice. I didn't, I didn't get close to him. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh. See, I would just have wanted to rub his head. If he had just buzzed it, <laughs> right? Like, that's... that's that feels good. <laughs> Better than making out sometimes. You know what? You can make out with anybody. Not everybody's got a buzz head. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> you got to seize the opportunity when it arises. Can't um, help myself. <laughs> uh, speaking of forlorn guys, because Gendry's uh, obviously not going to get with Arya. doesn't seem like. He's already kind of brushed her off. Way back in season three. And then you have Jorah here who is longing for a girl who mm. doesn't want anything really to do with him except as a friend and an uncle and, and anything but that. Sir Friend Zone, uh, as our friend Bubba would say. He is Mr. Sir Friend Zone. He's on horseback. That's Jorah. Uh, seems like he sees something. It makes him pull his horse up from the direction that he was going. Uh, but who knows what that is? You could only speculate on that unless it's. Uh, it does seem like it's in the part of the battle. Uh, or some kind of battle or, or a preparation for a battle. So who knows what he's seeing. Um, then John says, uh, the enemy doesn't feel. And uh, that's a great cue for Grey Worm and Missande kissing. Obviously, Stephanie's favorite part of the whole trailer. Obviously. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, yeah. So is all of this a setup? Uh, I guess the only question I had here right here is, is all of this kind of a setup for the, the pre-big battle? Um, Holly, I know that uh, you said that the uh, Entertainment Weekly article kind of cited uh, what episodes were going to be where um, or, or were going to have feature what. And the battle is going to be in what episode? I believe it's the third episode. The third episode. Okay. Um, so it seems to me that most of these shots that we've seen have probably either been from the very first episode or that particular battle episode. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely probably all the first three episodes, except mm -hmm. maybe that Tyrion shot, because we'll get there later. Or Arya. Do you think that Arya shot? 
I think that Arya shot is during the battle. Yeah, I think that's episode three for sure. Um, The Tyrion one is the only one I'm not sure about. And maybe the later Cersei scene too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cersei could have been any (laughs) time. Could very well be. Um, Yeah, I'm even limiting it just down to episodes one and three from what I can tell. Okay. (laughs) So any any last thoughts on Jorah here? Is he going to survive the series? Uh, You'll hear my thoughts about that in my not bold predictions at the end of this particular episode. Uh, But uh, what do you guys think? Is he going to survive? Because what's he going to live for if he doesn't (laughs) got Danny? Yeah, he's probably not surviving. He's gonna he's gonna go out in some heroic fashion, and Danny's gonna say, "Oh, Jorah, how I loved you." No, yeah, I (laughs) don't know. I don't know. There's still like you've got to like have a niece and Nisa. Somebody's got to sacrifice themselves. I I don't know if you want to go too far into this, Matt, but I'm thinking that Jorah's gonna have a role to play that's going to be heroic and yet tragic. (laughs) Mm, I like that. I do like that. Uh, any other thoughts about any of this before we move on? About Grey Worm and Masande. Great. Everybody's big fans of <laughs> Grey Worm and Masande. No. Get Why out of my screen. Get off my TV. This is stupid. I don't like it. Go away. Stephanie, I, <laughs> I haven't. I need to hear just a little quick. What is your quick summary about? Paraphrase your feelings really quick. <laughs> okay. or, or take as long as you like. That's fine. No, too. That's, that's all I have to say is, ah. <laughs> but Why? Well, I, I don't get the point. Like, I don't need a love story about a castrated guy and Masande. I think Masande is an awesome, badass lady who can speak whatever a million languages. Grey Worm is fine on his own. I don't need a romance. I don't need an unsullied man with no parts having a romance <laughs> with yeah. this pretty lady i just there's no point in it i don't i guess i'm just not invested in the characters i just so yeah and, and that can happen um the the one way that i like to look at gray worm and Missande is other than sam and gilly they're the only real representation of that unfiltered love love i mean there's a little bit of a problem granted like you just brought up there's a little bit of an issue with uh, sexual relations, maybe in a way between Missandei and Grey Worm, but uh, their love and Sam and Gilly's love seem to be the only two genuine beacons of hope for love at all in this series. Yeah, I think it's super sweet, and I think it is kind of weird to transition from book to show with Missandei and Grey Worm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you can, like, I don't know, drop some of that. <laughs> baggage and then they are really sweet and they did find love and they're both like from this like tortured background and okay but guys do we watch game of thrones to find some sweet love story no we do not that is not Dang. why we watch game of thrones <laughs> well some of us like to have that every once in a while sorry to be so uh sensitive Savvy. Here, watch, watch Grey's anatomy Grey's anatomy is still on guys you can watch that it has all the oh love needed <laughs> well it's just drama this is this is just kind of i think you need a juxtaposition from all of the different kinds of relationships that there are and all of the ones that go badly and why they go badly and then you've got this one and how it started and we actually got to see it start and that's you well, know you get to see some of that like goodness matt you mentioned that sam and gilly i like them they can be the love story i'll take okay them. I like all right them. <laughs> that's fair that's fair perfectly fair um anybody 
figure out who that guy is in the next shot who is taking someone out on, on the ramparts there. It looks like there's a lot of fire can I, also. Can I Sorry, just hum- humble brag real quick and make you feel a little bit silly, Matt? Sure. I was watching this and Sam, my, my fiance sitting right behind me, just like playing on his phone. And I'm like, why does Jamie have a sword in his hand? And he just glances up and goes, oh, no, that's Brienne. I was really? just thinking it's Brienne. It's good. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> Rewatch it. It's definitely Brienne. And she's just going to town. <laughs> Man, she is. She is. And then right after that, you have Jamie yelling. And again, it looks like it's from the same time frame. I won't say a similar, you know, back to back scenes or anything like that. But Jamie's yelling some kind of battle cry himself. Is that Brienne in the background of him as well? I can't confirm just yet, but I definitely was like laughing. Um, no, I don't think that's Brand behind him. She's she's so tall. Um, it could be, I suppose, but I think uh, I, I'm ninety. The person looked like they were a little bit stooped over, and I thought, well, that could either. And be... And the, the hair's dark, but so does Jamie's hair looks dark, and they're all kind of dirty. It could be, but um, it definitely is Brand up on the wall. <laughs> it's, it's it's good. It's good that we have the hound. Not being the hound there. That is uh, Brienne instead. Love it. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, people are concurring with you, so I'll take your guys' word for it. Where are we at here? Um, we are at a throne, a shot of the throne room, a very long, far away shot of the throne room. You can tell Cersei's sitting at the throne. I have no idea who's standing in front of her. Me neither. Uh, the boat guy, right? You're right. Boat- or the uh, no? And I know who the boat guy is now. And I, I didn't want to say earlier because I didn't know if we were not talking about spoilers or not. But they are listed in the cast, so I can name them if you so wish, Matt. I want to know who it is. It's Harry Strickland, Strickland guys. Yeah. Okay, but he's the leader of the Golden Company. So oh. it's the character. They just use the character's name in his role. I, I think he's going to be very. He doesn't look like that. So everyone who's read the books is excused right. from not recognizing him. <laughs> Okay, that's good to know. Thanks, Holly. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right, excellent. Uh, so, no other thoughts about the throne room. What it's about Cersei? Sir- it's oh, weirdly empty, right? Like it's just odd. And yeah, because nobody likes years. Cersei anymore. <laughs> true. Like we mentioned earlier, she does not have much support, and uh- <laughs> well, also remember she blew everybody up too. That can't. That couldn't have helped. <laughs> I do remember that. I did not forget that for a moment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe she forgot she did that. The whole idea uh, of the empty throne room as a as a metaphor for for Cersei's reign. There we go. Uh, does seem pretty appropriate, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then in the next shot, you have Cersei drinking that wine, and oh my gosh, that lip quiver. Um, Le- Lena Headey just killed me with that. I, I, as much as I love to hate Cersei, there's moments like that where I just feel for her. I'm sorry, guys. I know I shouldn't be a Cersei mm. apologist, so this, but I am. This oh. brought up a big question in my mind. I mean, we all know that Cersei loves to drink and stuff, and she's looking very sad and forlorn. Is she still pregnant? Is she going to have a, this baby? What is going to happen? I mean, I know these are all just very speculative questions, but like... I can't imagine her having a baby in the midst of this war and all her drinking. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I'm just thinking that it's one of two things. Either she's already had the baby, which seems unlikely, or, uh, or she's lost the baby. 
that seems most likely for whatever reason why she loses it. But or she's lost yeah. Jamie. Well, no, she, we lost- know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like Jamie's dead. Like, oh. oh. Ooh. Holly. Ooh. <laughs> well, I don't want it. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, it can happen. It can happen, ladies so, and gentlemen. As far as Cersei being pregnant, um, she has put all of her like faith in the Maggie the Frog um, predictions. So she cannot possibly think that she is going to have a fourth child, right? Like she's- that's, that's a good point. Yes, but remember that show Cersei also evidently had a child with Robert before that. Who died, who maybe that reinforced her belief and has since then been very strongly adhering, especially after um, uh, King Joffrey, may he rip. Um, it, he, uh, after he died, he, she went full on, like, I believe Maggie the Frog and to the point where mm. the show gave us the flashback and she talked about it. And so I think they're trying to like convey that she's very like 100% like into this, into this, um, this prophecy she was given. So I doubt that season seven Cersei really believed she was going to have a baby. I think it was totally a mechanism that she was using and I doubt she even cared that she was pregnant if she even was pregnant or anything. Um, so she probably predicted that at her age, she was going to miscarry or it was going to be problematic in some way. And- whoa, 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 stop right there. Stop right there. You're not implying that she was faking the pregnancy the whole time. Are you? <laughs> it's possible. I-, I think we got enough evidence unless I'm forgetting something, which I never do. You never do ever. <laughs> And so, therefore, and and we have cut tape to to <laughs> prove that. Uh, okay, so I I just I wanted to be because I've often thought that maybe Cersei was faking all of this, but I'd never heard anybody else really vocalize that. Mm, yeah, no, I would not. I put nothing past Cersei after the the sept of Baylor. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, especially to, she used she used the whole situation about Marcella to manipulate Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, she obviously sent him away to River Run so that she could do the SEP thing. You know, she's, and, and the whole motivation to me with Cersei always seemed to be as far as, um, the baby went this time around was to manipulate Jamie further. And then when it stopped working, um, I guess maybe she doesn't need that lie anymore. I disagree. I think she did lie to Catelyn about the baby that she lost. I do not think she's lying about this pregnancy. And fun thing, if you look at any photos, uh, like in this Entertainment Weekly or online or whatever, that lion necklace she's wearing, she usually wears it up high, or at least she used to. Now she's wearing it like on this long chain where it hangs right like around her belly. Um, I think I think she really believes that I think she's really pregnant. I don't think she's going to carry the baby to turn, but I nice. Think, I think she really believes that. Yeah. I think she was lying about both the to Catelyn and about the pregnancy. Wow, <laughs> we're all over. Cersei's just a liar. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she's she's a kook, <laughs> <laughs> and we love her for it. <laughs> and we absolutely love her. I'm totally in love with Cersei Lannister. Um, what else do we have on the, any of this? Uh, any. Did, did anybody else feel just even the slightest hint of bad for Cersei in that moment? I mean, I don't even have any idea what that moment's really about, <laughs> but I still, Lena Headey just sells it for me. 
I'm I'm well, with you, Matt. I can't and I can't wait to see what the scene actually is. But like Lena Headey has definitely made her performance something I just want way more of. No matter how much I don't like Cersei, like as a person or a character, like she's a great character. But I, you know, of course she's evil and we don't like her. But I'm also <laughs> I just I can't wait to see what she does next. At the same time, <laughs> she's she's so unadorned in this shot where she's just wearing very plain robe, no jewelry. Um, she doesn't have her hair up, like no crown. Like it's just she's very vulnerable looking, I think maybe, and that's the com- the contrast from earlier when she was in her, her battle armor, you know, and her her queen armor. And this this contrast with her here, obviously, drinking the wine is something that might be you know viewed as defeatist or um, you know, just giving into some sort of um, sorrow that she's going through and so of course you're gonna i think that's very evocative and very well done by the set designer the the, the costume designer and lena haiti and the the trailer cut person i don't know what their title is but <laughs> maybe an editor <laughs> you know what that's a word you could choose if you wanted yes <laughs> <laughs> oh i you know what I'm, I'm totally with you i'm totally with you on that that's Whoops. great um Moving on to dragons fly over woodlands. Dragons fly in canyons. Do we just like spending the money on the dragons and so we want to use it as much as we can? Is that why we've got all this? That's what it seems like, especially because they don't have dire wolves, which I also took note of, Holly. There were no dire wolves, but an abundance of dragons. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. After this, uh, the the whole idea... Of, of seeing those. I mean, was there any reason to show that? I, I would have liked to have, z- I mean, for somebody who's going to be a radiologic technician, I, I ashamedly admit that without my glasses, I couldn't even tell if there was anybody riding either of those dragons in either of those shots. Uh, was there any? No, not in the trailer. Anyway, not in the trailer. But you know how they like to be, that's like a thing Tricky. now with, with movie trailers and and I guess now TV series trailers is they'll just delete things. They did it with Infinity War, right? With the okay. uh, yeah, they okay. If and like the Infinity War trailer, like when Thanos like has the glove, I think they like deleted a bunch of the Soul Stones like from the trailer, so you didn't know how many he actually had. But in the movie, he actually like has them all or something. So oh, so they trick you? Yeah. Oh, they might be being tricky. Yeah. Does, does anybody think that John will? Ride a dragon this season? 100%. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, we all seem in agreement about that. It, okay. I want I want there to be like a conversation between John and Tormund when Tormund's like, oh, I got to fly a dragon before you did. Uh-huh. You know, like, because that's just weird to think about all the people who haven't, who've been on a dragon and John hasn't. And I think it's funny. Like at Jorah, Tormund, everybody that left, you know, in the Beyond the Wall episode. And they left John mm, behind. That's true. That's true. They've all had a dragon ride. Mm-hmm. That's true. But not John. But not John. He went for a swim instead. <laughs> As the Drogons and the Rhaegals are flying around, we then get to a shot where one would suspect everybody is reacting to seeing these dragons for the first time. And everybody looks pretty scared, except for Arya. She seems to like all of the dragons. And you recall that uh, scene back in season two when she was talking about uh, Aegon's sisters uh, to Tywin. And you just think that she's just kind of like, oh, dragons, cool. Uh, I know a lot of people in the books at one point were hoping that Arya might someday ride a dragon, even though she doesn't have any Targaryen heritage. 
Um, they were just kind of hoping that that would happen. Um, any kind of hope for that in the TV series, just for fan fulfillment? I think it would be cool for fan fulfillment, but I don't really see how it would come about in the TV series. Yeah, me either. Oh, well, let me let me explain to you how it's going to happen. Oh boy, uh oh. Arya's <laughs> gonna go. Arya's gonna like steal one of the dragons because she can do that. Don't ask questions. Arya okay. steals the dragon, flies to King's Landing, and kills Cersei. I'm on board. Let's do like, it. <laughs> do it. Wearing <laughs> whose face? Oh. oh, she does this with her own face. She oh. wants Cersei to know it was. I like her. that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> So she's going to wear Olena's face. I'm I'm glad you had that all figured out for us. Yeah, I I didn't see any new releases or anything like that. That's just all from my noggin. All from the (laughs) noggin. (laughs) Moving on, uh, we then go to shots of zooming in on Grey Worm while Jamie is saying, I promise to fight for the living. Um, And then somebody standing at the weirwood tree uh, and then a shot of the hound. I'm pretty sure that's the hound and not Brienne. <laughs> uh, he's a, all, again amidst all the flames. And then Jamie uh, shot uh, saying, I intend to keep that promise. And uh, in all of that sequence, the thing that struck me most, not so much about uh, Grey Worm, uh, although uh, the, the background soldiers are kind of interesting, I think the most interesting shot for me was the weirwood tree. It really, really looked good. But I was sitting there. At my When I first watched it, I thought, oh, that's Bran. And then I saw the coat, and I realized that the person was standing, and I thought, oh, that's not Bran. So is that John that's standing at the weirwood tree? If it's not a flashback, I'm going to probably guess yes. If it's not like okay. um, not a flashback or a wearback <laughs> through, through Bran. Yeah. Probably okay. him, yeah. It seems okay. pretty clear to me that it's John. Like I, okay. I, I yeah. that's who I assumed immediately, and I never really questioned it. That's how that's sure okay. I thought too. It's another- well, yeah, that, that, yeah, that trim on the coat seems to make it seem much more like being John than anybody else. The other, only other person I could think of, just because the person, the coat seems so wide, uh, was Sam. But <laughs> I don't think that that's mm-hmm. the case. Yeah, I think this is just another mirror of um, when we um, saw Ned. Uh, at the tree in the first episode. Very good. Agree. Like that. Agreed. Uh, any other thoughts about any of that? The hound. Do we think that Jamie was at Winterfell? Yes. I thought that was really interesting because, you know, what we see Jamie in Winterfell in the first episode that kicked off all the events of Game of Thrones. I think it's poignant and as we were talking about duality and a lot of things mirroring from the first season that he's back in Winterfell and he's fighting for the living like he says I think that's really cool and it goes along with his redemption that has been happening yeah and it makes you wonder the context of all of that I yeah. mean is has Bran called him out for pushing him out the window yeah it it no. is interesting though because well, we saw them all together in the last episode of season seven, and it will be interesting to have like Jamie and Danny have a conversation, or Jamie and Bran, like him having to come to terms with his past crimes, you know, kind of face to face, one on one with those people. Like I am very 
very invested. There's nothing else I'm invested in. And for season eight, it is all of these characters just interacting with each other um, that who either haven't met or haven't really had the chance to talk and, and need to talk. I'm looking forward to those scenes probably more than anything else and finding out like what even happens. Yeah. I cannot, I cannot wait for like John and Aria. Cannot got to tie up all of these loose ends. And if I'm thinking of, of, uh, um, Bran, um, and, and Jamie interacting again, it would have meant a lot more if he had come back, not super, you know, uh, where would it out? <laughs> oh, like he's the, the Raven and he's not really Brandon. Yeah. He's not so much Brandon anymore. It really isn't going to, it might have some impact on Jamie, but it's, it's really going to have zero impact on, on Bran. And that's, I don't even think Bran will care. He'll just be like, yeah, you exactly. threw him out the window. Cool. It, it, yeah, it was always meant to happen. Yep. It did happen. It happened to me a thousand times or something, you know. Very something, zen-like. Something very cryptic, yeah. I think I care. I guess I care more about Jamie coming yes. to terms with yes. dealing with yes. it, like, and confronting Bran about it for Jamie's own sake. So yeah, I'm more invested in that anyway. Like, especially seeing him at Winterfell, this is like a huge, like, conclusion to his character arc. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, then we get a brief sh- shot of a hand holding something, which I think uh, is alluded to actually in a, a later shot. I think that's Arya's hand holding that baton that she twirls later, which we'll talk about later. Um, and then we have John running towards something, uh, we some event, or, or maybe he's running some from something. But there's again. All of these flames all around behind him. There seems to be an awful lot of flames. I guess this is how they're fighting the whites. Again, I'm taking this probably from being a battle sequence. Seems like there's an awful lot of flames around. Uh, We have Knights of the Vale, it seems like, running into a door. Uh, Horse hooves running. We have Jon and Daenerys approaching Rhaegal and Drogon. I want to put a pin in that uh, real quick. Um, Then we have Sansa, and uh, she's looking uh, somewhere and she blinks. She doesn't look all that happy. And then we have Arya being, uh, doing her faceless man skills that she learned, uh, fighting the waif while she was blind using that baton. So with all of that to unpack, um, what do we feel is really important about it? I maybe stop it first at John running. Um, (laughs) do you think he's running towards something or from something? The battle has begun. Yeah, I think the, every shot we've had of John up until now has been him kind of gloomy, moping, the usual John. <laughs> Isn't that John though? Right. <laughs> He's so John is done. <laughs> he has two modes, you know, moping and fighting. So this is the other one. <laughs> He's yes. getting ready to fight. Okay. He's He's joining the battle or running towards the battle. Yeah, I think so. I think he's running in fear. Really? Yeah, I see, because when you are running away from something, like to imply that they'll usually have the character like throw a look backwards, and he's very focused on in front of him. Uh, that's true. We just don't know how much of the shot we saw. Exactly, for sure. <laughs> Which I think is the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's to make us ask the question: Is he running towards <laughs> something, or is he running from something? I'm not 100 percent sure he's even at Winterfell. It's kind of really hard to tell. And that shot of him running, and the next shot of like them charging the wall, is that is that him in that shot or is that somebody else do we know okay well yeah they're tricky I, they, like, they are very tricky but like what if he's not even at winterfell during the battle and he's somewhere else <laughs> off riding a dragon somewhere like 
<laughs> but but really, like, there's so much shots of this battle, and you don't really see John. Like, all of the shots of John aren't really involved in those mm-hmm. in those sequences. And where he's running, it looks like he could be anywhere. It is nighttime, but I don't know. I, I'm just kind of realizing that now. It's really hard to see where he is. And- this is the the same director who did the Battle at the Wall. Is that true? No, uh, no. This oh, is uh, Shaposhnik yeah. who did uh, Battle of the Bastards and also did Oh. Hardo. Oh, okay. very cool. I was going to say maybe it was like all one shot. If this, well, again, <laughs> as if Holly, if you're speculating that this may not be at Winterfell, um, then it may not even be from that episode, right? It may not, but it may be uh, where but, where Tormund and and Ed were walking. Oh yeah, wherever they are, maybe John's with them, <laughs> not at Winterfell. <laughs> to me, it's at night, and I know they did. Tons of night shoots, so I'm just assuming that it's at Winterfell. But uh, I did, I did hear. I think it was on Stephen Colbert. They had a uh, Kit Harrington on, and he said that it took them 55 nights to shoot the night battle scene. <laughs> oh my and gosh! At night in in England like, somewhere. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like two months for like one one scene. Yes, one wow. scene. Yeah, and how he he his quip was that uh, that taught him how unequipped. Uh, the the human race is for functioning at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't, circadian rhythms get off. He didn't yeah. sound. I watched that interview too. He did not seem thrilled about that time shooting. No, so. it sounded cold. <laughs> Fifty five nights for one scene. Oh my gosh! And just everything. I you can't even about fathom that. <laughs> it is so impressive. Well, that's what they're saying. That this is the longest and largest battle, like ever filmed right ever 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 i think they like yeah. helms deep it, is like the one that was just, the most it's anywhere close wow. yeah, they, they did some they did over 40 days of shooting at night for helms deep with rain towers Yikes. so oh, i wow. give them i give peter a little more tr- credit <laughs> uh than sapochnik uh just not so much in in the uh the the quantity of time but the quality of time those poor guys sitting in rain towers mm. like that that does suck um we got to watch lord of the rings before season 8 starts it's been a little bit yeah <laughs> uh just, any just any for other comparison reasons it's it's john and daenerys approaching Rhaegal and drogon um do you think john's that's the point where we see john get on and ride one i think so if i had to guess any time in this trailer or yeah, I think that'd be the time. Yeah. And Stephanie, you're, you're our Sansa expert. Yes. Is she, she unhappy there in that shot where she's kind of just blinks or is she just concerned or what's going on? Like she wasn't unhappy. Um, I think she was just probably pensive. That's what I thought, honestly. Okay. Maybe a little concerned. Um, but you know, doesn't she look great? She always looks so great. Yeah, she was definitely gorgeous. Yes, that is un, un, uncontested. But yeah, I, I, her face was a little hard to read, but it looked more like she was just contemplating. Yeah, I, I will say that movie star Sophie Turner has definitely amped up uh, Sansa in a lot of ways. Yes, um, you know, so uh, that that's interesting to me. I love the the shots of Arya uh, being her usual faceless man self i thought that was great um that was very good to see after the beginning how this trailer opened with just dance with aria running looking so scared i was glad to see that she still got it (laughs) right yeah yeah uh so the the competence is there 
uh, we'll have to see where that occurs at before yeah. after the scene, the first scene. Unless this is out of the trailer. Yeah, maybe this is out of order, and this is actually what happens first, and then she's going to be running later. Yeah, I I think that that's likely. Um, myself, but uh, then we get to this shot of Danny, uh, and she just kind of closes her eyes and. To me, it was kind of an expression of sadness. I'm wondering if this is in regards to the news that Sam and, and Bran will have to deliver to John, Or maybe it's mourning over Jorah. <gasps> Who knows? Mm-hmm. Could be. It could be realizing that she's going to have to um, team up with the man who killed her father, like you guys mentioned earlier. Mm. Could be over that. Could be over that. The Danny face, and, I'll, I'll go ahead and be your resident expert on the Danny face. And the only time she seems to be like that controlled, she uses that face when she's trying to be super controlled of her um, doing something she doesn't want to do, it seems mm-hmm. like. So I feel like that's where I got the having to team up with, with uh, Jamie. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Like it. Any other thoughts about that? Okay, we're going to go to Holly now because she pointed this out earlier. We get the shot of Tyrion finally. One um, second of Tyrion. Oh, just one second. It's really unbelievable, isn't it? God, yes. he was so big. Like, he was such, he was like the main the focus yes. for the first few seasons. Everybody's favorite. And like, I like Tyrion, but he's, I wouldn't say he's my favorite. And I has I haven't really minded that he's taken, you know, kind of. He's been on the sidelines a little bit in the last couple of seasons. I've been quite okay with it, but I'm, I don't think I'm okay with only having this one shot of him in the trailer. And like, what's, it just makes me wonder what's he going to be doing during the battle? Like he'll be up there in Winterfell, right? Like what's. I was just so shocked that we didn't see him at all until what, this is the last, what couple seconds of the trailer. And then we only see him for it one was, second. That yeah. it's just like you said, like he was the main character and now and, he's just kind of been relegated to the, to the end of the trailer. <laughs> and this shot is just obviously very unrelated to everything else we're seeing in this trailer. So mm-hmm. um I just what's he up to? It's a mystery. That's my yeah, mystery it, too. Or that's my question too. It kind of reminded me of the stone flooring of, of places around uh Dragonstone that we saw in season seven. It looks like it's outside. It's outside, it's very well lit. So he's right, right. So I was, that's what I was thinking, you know, those pathways that led up to Dragonstone um, that he was talking to John on before um, when they were approaching to go into the castle or sometime after John had gotten there. I don't remember when that was, but it just re- looked like that same kind of coloring of paving or, or rocks or, or what have you. Uh, definitely not Winterfell. We know that for sure, right? Right. I, I would be surprised if it is. Um. And then uh, looking down, is that, is that Drogon's throat or is it Rhaegal's throat? I don't even know. But getting uh, <laughs> a point of view of getting a, a flame shot at you uh, from one of the two dragons. Um, some more soldiers. And then the, the, the big shot of everybody almost seems like waiting for the shoe to drop. You got Podrick and Brienne, lots of sh- soldiers. You cut to Jorah. And then you've got uh, dead horses' hooves enter the foreground. And is that, I guess, Winterfell uh, in the background or or some northern holdfast in the background? And that's pretty much it. Any final thoughts about these uh, last few shots here? Patrick! (laughs) 
Everybody loves Podrick. I was excited to see Podrick. That was that was nice to see him. Maybe his training from Brienne is being put to use. I was excited. Yeah. Hopefully he just won't die. That's well. Like, yeah. <laughs> Aw. Mm. My, yeah, my first thought is I'm very worried about everybody in, in, yeah. that, in that lineup. They're, all of them. That's, that can't be good. Holly, if you think this story has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. I, I do not. I just, I'm still not ready to say goodbye, though. And I know, I know. I'm going to say goodbye to so many. It's so many people. I mean, all of them, right? <laughs> Pretty, yeah. I, I'm like, going to say there's like two people. Over even under if, how many characters are going to survive the series? <laughs> like, even if they all survive, this is the last season. Like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, to the it, end. No. I'm going to say like four. Yeah. <laughs> maybe five, maybe five. Five is my max. Yeah. Well, like, let's narrow this down. The Stark children. I think Sansa's going to stay alive. Oh, oh God. Because I was going to say, I think Arya's going to stay alive, too. Oh, I, I don't want her to, but I think Arya's not going to stay alive. Well, are we still counting Bran as one of the Stark children? Not really, I think. No. Okay. Well, I think, and Sansa I'm fifty fifty on Brand too. Like, I, I, I think it could go either way. Um, and see, I think he will stay alive. So that's why I think my my predictions are inaccurate. If all three of them, I think, are going to be alive, <laughs> I feel sh- I feel sure that Sansa is going to stay alive. And then I guess for they're not all Starks, but like it's either going to be John or Danny. I don't think it's going to be both, but one right. of them. But I can't decide which one. I, I, I unfortunately, I've got Arya in the camp to die. <gasps> Yeah, I um, think if anybody of them, yeah, I do too. Sorry, well, Kelly Underfoot. It's not happening, <laughs> I, you guys. I don't want it. I'm yeah. I give them to die. I, I want Cersei to stay alive, even though she should die. Like I want her to be alive because I love her so much. Like like Matt said, <laughs> we did get some other news. Uh, actually, just confirmation of some some news that had been reported back in January. Um, the first episode is going to be, according to uh, Entertainment Weekly, is going to be 54 minutes. Um, and the second one at 58 minutes. And then there are other reports, uh, from January that has the last four episodes between 75 and 80 minutes each, uh, varying lengths. Um, so there were a lot of talk from, you know, the HBO executives and what have you, uh, to hype this thing up saying, Oh, it's a bunch of feature length films and blah, blah, blah. Um, most people didn't take that too seriously. Thank goodness, because they would have been disappointed by this news. (laughs) But, uh, any thoughts uh, on, on just the episode links? Is it going to be enough for you or, or would nothing would, you know, (laughs) for it to run another 20 seasons? Yeah, it's not, it's never enough really. Yeah. I don't know. I've been watching Walking Dead for almost 10 years now, and sometimes it's enough. <laughs> Kelly, I've been watching Grey's Anatomy for 15 or 16 years. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and I agree. It's it's getting to be enough. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that they decided on a on a time. I hope that the the narrative uh, is um, concise enough to satisfy all of the questions and all of the the plot points that they've built up to because I feel like that's where other shows like Matt you're familiar with Lost have fallen mm-hmm. short <laughs> you know it is I feel like when yeah you- and I I really feel like that was not the showrunner's problem that was actually ABC for egg and I'm on too long I agree 
yeah, you've got you've got all these dynamics that come into play, and and hopefully the the showrunners and whoever's in charge has enough control of this animal to be able to to make it its best. We've got one last final thing, and this is where everybody gets just make fun of these things um, because we've been making some kind of random little thoughts about what we think might or might not happen uh, throughout the course of this. But I every year before Game of Thrones starts do a series of 10 not bold predictions. I do not like predictions. I especially don't like it when people make predictions uh, that are so vague that uh, anything within them could happen and then they pat themselves on the back and take credit for it. That drives me crazy. So here are some not bold predictions in order to make fun of all of those podcasts who make general predictions. Uh, and these are just as likely to never happen as they are to happen, uh, which is why I make them. I make them specifically in that way. Um, and I do it uh, to make fun of myself and to make fun of other podcasters who like to pride themselves on making predictions. And this is where you guys get to pick apart my predictions. The first prediction is the hound will face the mountain. We will get a Clegane bowl. The Hound will beat him, but he's going to give Arya the last blow for the last check mark on her list. Okay. <laughs> I think I stole this from Joanna Robinson uh, from Storm of Spoilers, but um, it's it's not Clegane Bowl, it's Clegane Troll. Like, it's not going to happen. But with that said, I really do like your idea of Arya being the one to kill the mountain. I've cool. never liked the idea of Clegane Bowl, but I do, I agree, I like the, the idea of Arya killing the mountain. <laughs> Right on. Yeah, I, I think the the clicking bowl is kind of far fetched, but we like we, this trailer only gave us like a couple scenes, so it's hard to say where the hound is and what happens after the Battle of Winterfell. So we'll see uh, if everyone does end up having to scurry south and then reestablish fortifications in King's Landing or something, and then there they meet and face off, I guess. But uh, I don't. It just seems like this thing that deserves its own episode, like. You know, the Red Viper and the Mountain got their own episode, but like it, we don't have so few episodes that it seems anticlimactic to not give it its due, right? Um, we'll see. Hmm. We'll see. Uh, here's one that's really hard to predict, guys. Sam and Bran will tell John and Danny about John's true identity, breaking their hearts. We should just guess oh, which well, minute of episode here. one. Get out of here. Is that going to be <laughs> the that- first half of episode one or the second half of episode one? <laughs> Uh, here's one that i'll get shot at for uh jamie will die saving brienne you've said this from day one though like you have been on this forever you think that that's jamie's fate right yeah yeah (laughs) no surprises here not not so bold i like Um, i like it the only thing that's disappointing about that is that jamie won't be the one to kill cersei if that happens but oh good point holly Mm. Yeah, I don't think that that's going to happen, but that will be revealed later. Uh, Obviously, Mel and Varys will die. This is the one take-it-to-the-bank prediction that Mel has ever made. Yes, because they both have to die in this strange country. Yes, I believe that one to be true. Um, The Night King will be defeated. I'm not sure if that means death or not, but he will be defeated. Duh! No! Yeah, I, I can hear all the dissenting voices in that one. Um, 
no, everybody dies. Come on, the Night King, <laughs> the Night King rules. That's the way the series ends. Uh, yeah. here, here's why I was re- relaying to Holly your talk about Jamie killing Cersei. Cersei lives. No, wait, wait. No, Cersei dies. <laughs> oh right. No, no, wait. It's totally up to Arya. Okay, good point. Um, and I honestly believe my the fanboy in me wants to think that Arya might have Cersei just left on her list and lets her live. Mm. I still like the, what somebody said earlier on this podcast that we are recording right now that <laughs> it would be better for Arya to kill Cersei with her own face. And I mm. think I, I like that. So. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Like I said, it's up to Arya. Uh, but I, 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 I'm a fanboy of of, Cerse, of Arya coming to the realization that punishment does not have to mean death, and she sees Cersei as being uh, being more punished by remaining alive than by dying. That would be if if she if Arya kills the Mountain, then that would be the last name that she leaves on her list, and then your universe is intact. And I and I agree. <laughs> Good one, Kelly. <laughs> and I, for for Arya wearing her face, it's just that she made the list as Arya, and everyone that she's killed off of that list has been with her face, her own face. Yeah, not as no one. Yeah, that's, that's a that's good. True. I like that, Kelly. She's like let that. them sh- see who she was. Um, I thought Walder Frey was on her list briefly. Yeah, but she, she took did... off the face before she killed him. Yeah, remember uh, she said, "I want you, you to know." And she did the same thing with that's... Marin Trant. Very true. Okay, fair enough. But um, but also the hound is on her list, right? Or was I guess she said she took him off. Well, but... he, he's been taken off the list according to so uh, her. In so. in one way, there's precedent for her taking people off her list, but in another way, she's already taken someone off her list, and they went to extreme lengths of bonding in order for that to be accomplished. So who knows? She, she needs <laughs> she needs Jock and Hagar to come back and slap her when or with a stick when she says she wants to kill Cersei to take her off the list. That's who she's running from. In the very first part of the trailer, she's not running from any White Walkers. Yeah, that's, she's running from Jock and Hagar. I would hate that so much. It's, it's like, the case. Oh my gosh, I got to kill an actual faceless man, and all I've got is a stupid obsidian dagger. <laughs> yes, yes, to both, to also serial Pharrell coming back. <laughs> He's actually the one spinning and twirling in the in the trailer. It's not our him. Yeah, there you go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I love how seriously we're taking my predictions, folks. This is exactly what I wanted. This is serious business. <laughs> this is serious business, serious. this prediction business is, folks, because I want to be able to pat myself on the back at the end of season eight when I got all of these wrong. Um, <laughs> sorry, Davos. Bye-bye. Yeah, agreed. Don't need, don't need another hand. Don't need a second hand of the king. We've got one, Tyrion. No matter who lives or dies, John or Danny, um, you don't need two hands of the king. <laughs> But you need two hands. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, also, uh, as I alluded to earlier, sorry, Jorah. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree there. <laughs> and, and I have no idea how or where for either of those guys. But, yeah, they, they cannot survive the series. Here's one that Stephanie will love. Sansa is Queen of the North. Yes! Not sure if she'll be Queen of the North in Winterfell, but she will be Queen of the North. She will be Queen of the North, and long may she reign. Amen. Long may she reign. (laughs) Uh, Also, at the very end, my very last prediction here, the Iron Throne. This is not nothing new. It's nothing extravagant. But uh, as we've seen in those visions with Bran 
and uh, Danny at the House of the Undying. Um, both of them have seen the Iron Throne completely vacant. Um, and I don't think that's because it's been destroyed. I think it's probably years and years down in the future where the throne is just no longer needed. Nobody will be sitting the Iron Throne in the very end. I like that. I like, I agree. Not very bold, but I like it. <laughs> uh, not bold at all. Not bold at all. And that is the point of my not bold predictions. Hence their title. Not bold. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up. Let's wait, get wait. some final thoughts. Oh, wait, wait. I was okay. going to say, I have a few. I have a few things. Not about your predictions. Just things before we wrap up. Did we talk about who was not in the trailer? I have a list too, Holly. Oh, okay. Oh, well, let's do that. Compare notes. Uh, I have Melisandre, Theon, yep. Yara, the Night King, Undead Viserion, and I just thought of this, the mountain. He wasn't in it either. Yes, There's he was. Here. He was? Okay. He was bad. in the background shot of Cersei and uh, Kyber. Right, 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 right. He was just okay. standing there. But okay. um, my list also was... in the throne room. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, maybe that was it. My list um, was all the Greyjoys, so you listed... Theon, we didn't see Euron either, right? No, I right. think we do see Euron. He's oh. in the throne room. I think he's in that throne room scene. Okay. Uh, he's presenting the gold Harry man. Strickland. Yes. Okay, mm. okay. Yeah. so I just had the Greyjoys, and then I thought we didn't see Davos, but then we talked about him at the beginning. But Melisandre, and then the Night King, and I put Tyrion on there since we only saw him for one second, and that didn't count. And Davos. <laughs> that, that just never, never counts. It just doesn't count. <laughs> yes, no ghost. That was no. very. Yeah, you, you, you guys know why that is. That's mm. because they only took from episodes one and three, and it so happens that we see Theon or Yara in episode two. <laughs> was that probably? Yeah. <laughs> Add it to your bold predictions, Theon and Yara. And uh, there you go, number two. eleven, the lucky yeah. eleven out of the, my ten, my <laughs> ten not bold predictions, and one bonus not bold prediction. That's interesting, yeah. The people that we didn't see. Uh, does it mean anything? I think not, because I think of how little we did see of, like, the Hound and um, Tyrion especially. Uh, I think they obviously have a lot more to play uh, in the in the show. Just maybe they were keeping their scenes limited. Um, Bron. Spoilers. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Oh, yep. Bron. No Bron. Where is he? <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, that's a good question because normally he's doing J uh, Jamie's bidding. He's going to come back around to Cersei and say, "Hey, man, I got promised a better gal and a better castle. Where are they?" <laughs> and she's going to say, "I don't care. Here's the mountain. Meet him." Yeah, exactly. That would not happen because, <laughs> as we all know, Lena Headey, Lena Headey, and Jerome Flynn cannot be in a scene together. So that's a good point. That's, that's a good point. Well, he'll he'll just ask Kyburn. Kyburn will say, "Let me get back to you on that mountain." Yeah, uh, that's what'll happen. Yeah, Bronn. Uh, he will not survive the series either. Okay, I have a question for you, Matt. I don't know if this oh. is something you've ev ever analyzed before, but that music from the trailer is that a preview of the music we're going to get in season eight, or is that music we've already heard before? Well, it definitely was all new. Ramin composed it specifically for the trailer. Um, there are no new themes in it. It's all based on the main theme. Right. Um, new kinds of uh, instrumentation in some places. Um, definitely new harmonization to the theme that we've not heard before. Uh, is it any indication of what we're going to hear in season eight? I don't 
really think so. I think that it was done something specifically with psychoacoustics, psychoacoustics in mind to actually just amp up your, your blood levels a little bit. Because if you go back and do the techniques that I use normally to isolate the music, most of the music was actually square in the center panning, uh, which almost never happens in, um, in film scoring. Uh, usually you can filter out the, 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 the voices are in the center channel panned uh, or panned center and the music is panned a little bit out left and right and that's how you separate it and make it sound like it's more in the background here this music was meant to be the sole thing that drove you even more than the dialogue even more than the visuals um, it was done uh, very well by Ramin I will say uh, just uh, from a psychoacoustics perspective to make your heart pump. Yeah, it definitely did that. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. A little and mini musical analysis. Yes, cleft notes <laughs> for the trailer. We got it all. <laughs> and with that, uh, it's time we say goodnight, uh, folks. We've been rambling on this about this for a while. And I want to thank these gals for taking the time out of their busy schedules uh, which they will have to learn how to start clearing so that we can be talking about season eight uh, very soon. April 14th, we will get together for initial reaction and we will get that on April 15th. And then a little bit later on in the week, we will record a reaction that's a little bit more measured and a little bit more thought out. Um, and we'll have my musical analysis in it and all those kinds of things. You, if you want to submit three words and all of that, Feel free to do so as well. We'll include that in the later podcast as well. Uh, but we need to say goodbye for now to our song of ice and fire sirens. First, we turn to the West. Kelly, how can people find you if they want to talk to you about Game of Thrones? I'm on Twitter. You can tweet me at Kelly Underfoot, K-E-L-Y, Underfoot like my girl. And <laughs> Yeah, this was just a little taste, and I hope uh, the sound quality is uh, sparkling in your ear holes, because we are all fancy now. You sound like Delilah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about we go to the north and we turn to our Song of Ice and Fire there, Siren. Stephanie. How can people talk to you about Game of Thrones? Um, I'm on Twitter as well at SM Persephone. That's S-M-P-E-R-S-E phone, like the goddess of the underworld. All right. On. And finally, we turn to the South, who just is still cleaning up from the Mardi Gras mess <laughs> that all of us tourists left uh, down there in all of the that particular state. Won't say what part of the state, but she's down there and there were plenty of beads flying around according to her pictures uh holly the siren of a song of ice and fire of the south how can people talk to you about game of thrones uh i'm on the twitter at hunt pants yep it's weird (laughs) (laughs) just like me on this podcast i'm still very novice if you're still listening thank you i don't know how i don't know how you're doing it i appreciate you (laughs) we love your thoughts holly we love your thoughts And uh, here's how you can contact me. See ya.
You've been listening to Matt's audio blog. Find all contact information, back episodes, and podcast app links at mattsaudioblog.com.